Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, October 24, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, they're doing the thing in terms of the ABC type pattern on the daily chart. We're going to talk about several things today. But the first focus is, what are they doing in the short run? What is going on on the daily chart? Well, let's refresh our memories of a couple of things. So first off, if we take it from the recent low, we know that the market made an A leg up. B was the pullback into last week. We talked about it just about every single day. And then the C leg would complete officially above the high of the A leg. That doesn't mean the market has to stop going up. That's just the completion of the short-term interim pattern. Well, what's the intermediate-term pattern look like? Well, then we flip over to something else that's been going on. Again, we talked about it last week, but it is important that we all see things not only after they develop. That's easy to see. We want to see them as they develop, as they're beginning to develop. Everything morphs from smaller time frames to larger time frames. As such, we had something else that we looked at last week, which was a potential head and shoulders pattern. There's your left shoulders, and by the way, this is the inverse head and shoulders pattern variety. Here's your head, even though it was a one-day wonder, the low was a one-day wonder, but this is still a head type of formation in a head and shoulders pattern world, and now, They've broke above and closed above. Now, if they close back below tomorrow, that negates the thing or delays it or whatever it is, probably negates it. But what they did today was they closed above, which essentially activates the current head and shoulders pattern. So now, inverse head and shoulders pattern. So now, how can we calculate the target? Well, it's pretty simple. I teach this stuff in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, We'll just fast forward to the target. Well, the net net is it's going to give you somewhere in the neighborhood of, and we'll just use the number for rounding purposes, could be slightly in front of it, could be slightly above it, doesn't have to be an exact science to the penny. However, this particular pattern has a target all the way up to about 400. Well, think about it this way. If they're headed all the way up there, 390, first 385, and if they keep going, 390, and if they push into 390, they begin to get closer to the big fat round number, 400. It's a big fatty. You don't know what the discussion will be when they get up there. You don't know what the media's take and the talking heads take will be if and when they get up there. So everything changes. The complexity of the entire conversation around the market changes. The sentiment changes. It will look and feel different if we get up to even 385 than it does right now at 378, 379. That's just the way it works. Keep in mind, we have an election coming up. What does that mean? That means that it behooves one party to have the market climbing higher into the election. It's the incumbent party. If the market's falling apart leading up to the election, everybody thinks the market is the economy, the economy is the market, they what's called conflate the two. 
if we simplify things and say, if the market's going up, it gives them a license to talk about things in a positive manner. Therefore, the economy's turning around, inflation is subsiding, we're not going to have a recession next year. All that stuff will be at the forefront of the conversation. The sentiment begins to shift. If the sentiment shifts more toward a positive manner of the economy and the market, remember, it's the economy stupid. So everything centers around the pocketbook. If everybody believes the worst is over, things are going to get better, all is well, they focus on other issues, not only the economy, around the election. So it behooves the incumbent party to have the market trading up into the election. Can they hold the market up for a couple of weeks into the election? Of course they can. Write that down, put it on a sticky note. What's the flip side of that? What would tell us that they're not holding the market up into the election? Well, if they started getting below, and it'll know before they even get to this point, we'll have a clue, but if they get below Friday's low, for example, which is all the way down at 363.54, getting below that area will open the door for a whole host of other things in the southern direction. Looking quickly at the weekly chart, you have a weekly 20-period moving average, not too far from current price, at least from a visual perspective. That is somewhat of a target from a weekly chart perspective. And oh, by the way, it happens to be just above our initial target around 385, 386. It comes in at 388.46. So if they start pushing up to that area, you can count on them getting close to or spiking through that 20 period moving average. From a bull perspective, they're holding the 200 period moving average on the weekly chart. That's the last line of defense in the moving average world, and therefore it's seen, at least at present, as a positive development. Likewise, when we flip to the monthly chart, they give the appearance that they're holding the monthly chart 50 period moving average. If they close the month above it, they will say that was a test of the 50 period moving average on a monthly basis. It's a normal garden variety pullback, and they can resume the trend in the upward direction, aka the uptrend. Now, if you're in the bull camp, and it's okay if you are, and what I mean by that is you can be in the bull camp short, intermediate, and long, you would say, hey, they touched and spiked through the 50 period moving average on time from a monthly chart perspective. Shouldn't they bounce for a while at minimum? And the answer is they can. Right now, what are they doing? They're beginning to climb the last breakdown candle in the sequence. They're about halfway home. Where's the high of that candle? Above 400, it's above 411. Do they have to get to the top? No, they don't. Can they make an effort to do so? Yes, they can. Can they get to 400? Yes, they can. Do they have to get to 400? No, they don't. I hope you understand the way in which I'm describing this. The concept is we don't know until we know. Once they get above a particular price area, a zone, an important price, it opens the door or activates the next price in the northern direction. For example, getting above 386 is going to activate the market getting into the 390s. Then we'll begin talking about 400 in a more near-term basis. Until they do and can get above and start closing candles, at least on a daily basis, 
above 386, we don't have to discuss 400. I'm putting it out there from a big picture perspective. We're not trading to that anytime soon. Give you one more piece of food for thought type of information. If they're going to push higher and the moving averages become magnetic, what else is up there that's magnetic from a prior price standpoint, an important number standpoint? Well, let me give you this to chew on. Why would 388, 40, or 50 in that general zone, why would that be important? Well, first off, ironically enough, and there are no accidents or coincidences, on the weekly chart, it's your 20-period moving average. And on your daily chart, it's the former low coinciding at present with this general area of moving averages, and therefore, it would be ordinary garden variety market behavior for them to get drawn up into because these type of things are magnetic. So getting drawn up into this zone or this area is garden variety market behavior. By the way, what else do we have in this general zone? How about a big time breakdown candle right over here? I used the wrong tool, but you get the point. Here's a better tool. This is the breakdown candle we're referring to. So you have a breakdown candle and the high happens to be 389.31. So you see, we have several reasons why the market can and generally will get sucked up into that 388, 389 zone. Again, doesn't have to stop there, but it becomes a target. So we have two targets. One is close to the next, but our first target is really the 385, 386 zone. How does that get activated? Well, it always got activated if they were able to get above this high here, 379.46. We didn't close above it today. They spiked it, closed below it. Maybe they pull back for a day or two. Maybe they bust through it with a gap higher opening in the morning. Either way, if they can close above that, and that's what we were saying last week, it activates all the stuff we just discussed. 385, 386, 388, 389, and potentially higher. Let's check out inside the numbers. We had a couple of nice trades in here. We had something for everybody, not to mention stocks on the move. We'll circle back to those later. But we had some S&P success this morning, whether you wanted to be on the short side, whether you wanted to be on the long side. We had something for everybody, so stay tuned. Fire up the sticky notes. We had a bit of a rodeo overnight. Will the Bulls be able to put up a follow-through day? That was the question of the morning. Obviously, the answer by the end of the day was yes, they will, or they can, and they did. Let's say they push higher. We've got 377 as our early pivot. So that's the first number we put up on the board. Zero dark 30, we're identifying the pivot. We think better in pictures. So right of the vertical is today's activity on this five-minute SPY chart. The horizontal line is 377, and you can see for sure that was important today. It was our pivot. You could see here the market was thinking about getting above, couldn't do it, failed back down. Then all of a sudden they gave it another shot. They bust above, come back for a retest, decide to stay above for the remainder of the day. Now, what would have happened had they actually started closing and stayed below 377 in the afternoon? Well, the simple answer is they would have fell back to yet run tests of other numbers. But they didn't. They simply went back down to 377 in the early afternoon to run a simple test. The Bulls won the test. 
They stayed above into the end of the day. It's important to know where your pivot is. Again, zero dark 30, so pay attention. Above the pivot on candle closes or simply pushing through during the morning opens the door for the zone between 379.50 and a spike of 380. High of day, 380.06. That was your zone. They got there by the end of the day. Again, you don't know how and when some of these things will happen, but staying above the pivot kept the door open for the zone, and they did it by the end of the day. That's the important takeaway. Doesn't matter when it was put up on the board. You'll see it over and over again as the day goes underway, because as long as they're above something, they're going to get to something else. It's a repeating theme. The flip side is falling below Friday's closing price of 374.30, which opens the door for a shakeout operation and some number testing. The first one of consequence would be 372. They didn't get to 372, but they ran a test of Friday's closing price. They spiked it. They bounced back. 374.30. They got down to about 373. Let's narrow things down as the day gets underway. Just a quick check-in. 9 o'clock, we're confirming 377 is our pivot. Getting above, closing candles above. First opens a door for 378.50, and then we go to 379, 380. So everybody's got the numbers that are important on the board, bright and early, ready in uniform, pregame warm-up, we're good to go. By the way, below 377, and they can have a shakeout operation all the way down to the gap at 374.30, give or take. All this is before the opening bell even rings. This is the 9 o'clock post. As you can see... Below 377, opens the door to fill the gap, 374.30, they spiked it, reversed back up in the other direction. So we had the pivot, we had the important numbers, and we had the whole bowl of wax. Market didn't even open yet. This is what's called having a handle on things. Right before the opening bell, we've got narrowed down numbers in between where current price is, if they start to fall, where the first bounce place is going to be, 375.20 down to a spike of 375 was that bounce place, meaning support. If they're going to go lower, they're going to go fill the gap, which wasn't really that much lower anyway. So traders certainly in the room interpreted that. They took the long trade at 375, give or take. That was a nice ride. Obviously, other traders inside the numbers took that long opportunity as well. That was one side of the tape, 921 before the opening bell. Not taking the trade before the opening bell, but it was posted before the opening bell. 3.75. Now let's go back to the pictures. You can see in the first candle of the day, they open 3.75.91, quickly drop into the support zone. The low is 3.75.09. Our number was 3.75.20, down to 3.75. They bounced right back, and look at this rip. We had participants galore. The high is 3.78.76. It was an all-you-can-eat. These trades start out as a scalp with opportunity. We take some profit along the way. We create ourselves a risk-free, emotionless trade, which allows us to hold on to a trailer for what's called in the trading parlance the never-know. Let's move along. See what else we have. Market didn't even open yet. Normally, they're going to want to test the pivot. That's 377. So hint, read between the lines. You have a support area under the pivot at around 375.20 down to 375, 
If that's going to hold and they're going to start bouncing off it or closing candles, guess what? They're going to run back to run a test of at least the pivot. This is like the same trade we take all the time, almost every day. Whether it's short or long, as long as you have a handle on where the pivot is, know where the market is relative to the pivot, whether it's above or below, you can create and develop a trade opportunity around the pivot. So what I'm saying right around the market open is they're going to want to test the pivot. Before or after the shakeout is the trick. They did the shakeout. We bought support. They go back to the pivot. Nice trade. And then here it is by 932. There's your 375 and change test. Below opens the door to fill the gap. It's not that much lower. They could bounce off this. Traders who took the long side bounces like a minute later, it starts with a scalp. You hold for the trailer for the never know. That's just the design of the thing. Traders in the room got it, yada, yada, yada. Here's the other side. Traders looking for the other side. A short opportunity for me begins at 378.50 if they get there in hurry formation like sooner or later. We're still within 10 minutes of the opening bell. There it is, 378.50. Now, they did a stutter step in front of this, and I did not take the trade, but plenty of traders did take the trade. They had a pullback. It was the scalp. It would have given you like six, eight S&P handles, ES handles. I decided to step away primarily because I already had a trade in my pocket from the long side. I didn't really need to be in another one. I've got work to do. I got to update the notes. So that's my thinking. That's a little bit inside my head. I'm certainly happy to be in a trade that makes sense. But after I just took, meaning minutes before, the trade and ride up there, it wasn't that important to me. So I posted, and you'll see it in the notes, where I stepped away. I didn't take the trade, but it was still a viable opportunity. Look what happened. You got a tremendous decline off that entry by pennies, meaning they spiked it by pennies. The high was 378.76. We're at 378.50. How you doing? We had something for everybody. Not going to bore you with the rest of the notes. If you're interested and you should be, read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. There's all kinds of stuff in here. There's schematics, there's numbers, there's this, that, and the other thing. There's education, there's learning opportunities. There's all kinds of stuff each and every day. Every day is different. I give you the schematic. It's the tour guide information. But when they go into sleep mode, I'm not going to bore you with the same thing, repeating it over and over and over again. It's a paint-dry kind of afternoon. That's it. Trading is in the morning for the most part, most of the time. So morning business for the most part, at least using the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, it's a morning business. 20% of the time, there's stuff going on at the other side of the day. But if you're in business and you have a profit in the morning, you don't have to wait around and get tempted into something giving yourself an opportunity to get chopped up. What about stocks on the move? Let's check out Yum China, LVS, and Tesla. TSM and Win were off the table. They didn't hit their entry targets. They become what we call no trades. How about Yum China getting a buzz cut at the opening bell? The number posted on the board at zero dark 30 was 39.15. Low in the first five minutes of the day, 39.15 and they had a rip-roaring rally away from it in scalp trading terms. They gave you the thing. They gave you the minimum required base hit plus a stand-up double. The high over here was $40.62 before coming back down. They gave you whatever you wanted from a trading perspective right out of the gate. 
LVS. This is what we call a nothing burger. We had a slice through the first price, hover around the second. Some traders may have bought the first price. They would have had to buy the third, may have passed on the second. And this is where this type of trade gets tough. How are you in the first? You pass on the second because they hover. You know they're going to go down. Do you stay in the trade? Do you get out of it and back in at the third? It's no easy answer. There's no standard answer. It's part of the art form of trading. At the end of the day, they bounced off the third number back above the second. So it becomes a nothing burger at worst case. Traders that bought the third level had a hell of an afternoon. How about Tesla? How about the first price off the table? They hovered around it. They came in, whether you bought the first or not, doesn't matter. The next price down really wasn't that far away in the big scheme of things. In Tesla world, $200 stock, couple of bucks, no big deal. What did they do at the second price, 198.70? They immediately turned around, went back up in the other direction on what's called in the trading parlance, a rocket ride. Got to almost 214 off an entry of 198.70. How you doing? You like apples? How do you like them apples? Let's take a look around the horn. What do we have over in Camp IWM? Well, what we had today was a little bit of relative weakness if we had anything. So the IWM was up a little less than one half of 1%. The S&P 500 was up about 1%. So there is relative weakness, but that's not really that big of a deal. We're not gonna read into a one day slight divergence. They were still up on the day. They're eating time off the clock, hovering over the 20 period moving average and in between situation. What they're really doing is still in the same thing that the S&P was doing. They had an A leg up, a B leg pullback, but they haven't yet eclipsed the high of the A leg. So this is where the divergence begins. If they do, that's fine. If they can't, that is a tell from a negative standpoint with a market that is my a number one favorite market leading indicator. So why haven't they eclipsed that high? We don't care why. We care whether they have or have not. That's our benchmark. If they're not able to get up and go, the rest of the market is likely to turn around and follow suit in the southern direction to catch up with the leading indicator. Food for thought. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. How about a divergence in the other direction? What about the folks down at the transportation department? Well, they're almost at the former high that was made on the 18th. Now this chart has a little bit of a different structure. This is more of a longer term eating time off the clock situation. And the reason that we bring this up is because the longer they eat time off the clock and build energy, the higher they go out of this pattern up to 13,000, up to maybe even almost 14,000. Obviously a lot of stuff in between. You got the same moving averages that we talked about in the other markets, 13.5, 13.6, that'll certainly be overhead resistance. However, they could certainly run higher. This is a pattern that says they've been building energy for a while. Other markets don't look like this, but we don't care what other markets look like. We care what this market looks like. And the fact that they were doing that is a tell. This is my second favorite market leading indicator, a number one canary in the coal mine. How about the Q people? So check this out. The former high, that was the high of the A leg in the prior conversation, 277.21. They closed above it today. That's a positive sign. 
So it's a positive takeaway from the tech space. Now, what's the next target? Well, how about the gap that's unfilled? 279.76. Did they get there today? I don't believe they did. The high today was 279.40. They could have gotten there if they so chose, but they chose not to. There are no accidents or coincidences. It is unfinished business, but the fact that they didn't do it today leads me to believe that if they're going to have any more positive developments in the market in terms of upward direction, that's not going to be the final destination. They could have done it today. They didn't. That's unlikely the final destination based on everything else we just discussed. The financials looks like all the other markets. Nice, healthy up day up one and a half percent right into the convergence of moving averages. No surprise, no shock. The chart looks very similar, if not almost identical to the S&P chart. Let's move on. Here we are with Smash Mouth and we're back in divergence land. What do I mean by divergence? Well, they were flat today. They didn't do anything. So this is more of a bearish formation than anything else, right? You have the low, so there is a reversal off the low, but all you've done is create one of these wedgish formations into a moving average. Did not participate in the bullish case of the market today. Smash Mouth is by itself a pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole, so herein lies another puzzle piece that must be on the table. We have to know about it. If the semiconductor space is not going to rally, the tech space is not going to be able to get very far. They turn around and they start rallying, that's fine. But if they hold down the tech space, that's going to end up holding down the rest of the market, ultimately in the big picture, the big scheme of things. Market's not going to rally without tech, tech's not going to rally without the semis, and so on. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.